Do not anticipate trouble or worry about what may never happen. Keep in the sunlight. Hello and welcome to episode 218 of Under the Cull of MS. This is another multiple sclerosis health segment, a variety of different topics mixed together. Hope you enjoy them and we'll get to them right after this. Time for another MS health segment. Let's get some tonics that can help you with stress and anxiety. Basically, we've all been there feeling like there's just some missing in our step. Thankfully, there's natural and tasty solutions in your pantry. Things you can try are like ginger to sharpen your brain and beat stress. Benefits of ginger is improved brain function, antioxidant support, and stress treatment. Brew this healthy ginger tonic, hot or cold, for a dose of powerful antioxidants. Fresh ginger is the way to go, but if you're planning on Supplementing recommended doses vary. Uh, Basically, if you take, let's see here, one cup, the homemade ginger tea tonic recipe is one cup fresh organic ginger root minced, three and a half quarts water, three lemons squeezed, one to two pinches of cayenne pepper, a pinch of Himalayan rock salt, some stevia or unpasteurized honey to taste. Rinse and scrape the ginger root, then mince it. You can use a food processor if you want. Add the minced ginger to three and a half quarts water. Bring it to a boil then simmer for at least an hour. Uh, two hours makes it taste a little better if you want to simmer it for that long. If you can't stand the taste, the sharp taste of ginger. Then just let the liquid cool, add the juice the juice of lemons, the cayenne pepper, and the Himalayan rock salt. Strain it into jars for refrigeration. Uh, you will dilute this concentrate when you serve it. So when you serve it, just use a half, half, a third to a half a cup uh, ginger tea concentrate to one cup water. If you're going to drink this as hot tea, warm it on the stove before adding a sweetener. Uh, If you're going to drink it at room temperature, just add a sweetener and then enjoy it if you need the sweetener. But yeah, that's one one way to enjoy a ginger tonic. Ginger doesn't have many serious side effects. Just make sure you're not overdosing more than 4 grams as it could irritate your stomach. Uh, Then we have maca. You can brew maca to balance your hormones. Its benefits are increased energy, balanced mood, and reduced blood pressure and depression. You can simply mix maca powder into your daily smoothie, your cup of coffee, or hot cocoa. And you can also try this energy drink 
using maca if i can find the recipe here uh, basically take 10 ounces of milk of your choice unsweetened is preferred unsweetened almond milk or oat milk or something like that or coconut milk uh this person used a mix of coconut and almond milk. They liked it best that way. Two teaspoons of maca powder, a quarter teaspoon of ground cinnamon, plus extra for dusting if you like. One tablespoon of maple syrup. One teaspoon of raw cocoa powder, cacao powder. And one to two star anise pods. And that's so... That can be optional if you want. Don't like that in there or whatever. Start this drink by blending everything in an upright blender, except for the star anise, if you're using it, to get all the powdery bits incorporated. Then heat it in a small saucepan over medium heat with the star anise in it until it's really simmering. You could easily skip the blending step and just whisk the mitt mixture lightly while it's heating if you want drink it warm with a dusting of cinnamon and you're good to go and there's also uh, another hot drink you can do well you can also use use it raw or whatever like you said in your drinks but take two and a half cups unsweetened almond milk two tablespoons cacao powder one tablespoon maca powder, two tablespoons maple syrup or to taste, a half a teaspoon coconut oil, a pinch of cinnamon, a tiny pinch of sea salt. Optional topping, toppings are coconut whip, which you can look up homemade instructions for, and shaved dark chocolate. In a blender, mix the almond milk, cacao powder, maca, maple syrup, coconut oil, cinnamon, and salt. You can also whisk it together by hand if you want. Transfer to a small saucepan and warm over medium heat. Taste and adjust the sweetness if desired. If it's too thick, add a little more almond milk. Serve with coconut whip and shaved dark, dark chocolate, both optional. And try that out. Uh, here's the quick recipe for the homemade. Coconut whip, it's solids from one 14-ounce can full-fat coconut milk refrigerated overnight, one-third cup powder, powdered sugar, a few drops of vanilla extract. Make the coconut whip by combining those ingredients in a mixer and mix until whipped and fluffy. Try that out if you want, want to fancify your drink and make it a little better. You can do that. Maca is generally safe for most people unless you're pregnant, breastfeeding, or have a thyroid problem. Uh, to truly see an effect, you may need to drink it about drink about 3.3 grams every day for 8 to 14 weeks. So don't give up on stuff and don't expect a quick fix all of a sudden. But if you need a pick-me-up, you can... You got matcha, M-A-T-C-H-A, whereas maca was M-A-C-A. So there is a difference. Uh, maca has positive effects on mood, promotes relaxation. Matcha 
sorry, and provides sustained energy. You can brew a cup of matcha tea with uh, convenient tea bags or whip up tonic with it using matcha power, powder. The caffeine in matcha is fairly strong. You may be able to feel the effects within an hour. Uh, I couldn't find the recipe for that uh, magic matcha tonic. So you can always look up some type of matcha tonic or matcha drink and do a kind of recipe you can come up with. Just as you can be over-caffeinated on coffee, it's possible to drink too much matcha. While it may be healthier, stick to just one or two cups a day. And there's Rishi, R-E-I-S-H-I. The benefits of this is it promotes more restful sleep, has antidepressant and anti-anxiety properties, and possesses powerful calming agents, agents in it. You can use a spoonful of Risha power, powder to make a warm healing tonic or tea and just add it to it um, or make it my tea wise without any other tea to it just using the powder and then any additives you want to add to it well research around the benefits of Rishi's is still lacking what's available shows that they may that they may be associated with liver damage other than that, the side effects are minor, such as an upset stomach. Talk to your doctor if you're considering supplementing it. Uh, apple cider vinegar can control blood sugar, maintain even energy levels, and may help promote overall health. Simply mix apple cider vinegar into warm or cold water, or try making this this apple cider vinegar tea tonic. And remember, if you're mixing it in the water, just do not have more than like two tablespoons a day. One to two tablespoons with a lot of water. <laughs> Recommended because it's nasty tasting. Straight up or that way. But if you want to make a tea style, you can take one cup brewed green tea, chilled. One tablespoon raw cider vinegar. One teaspoon pure maple syrup, one teaspoon grated fresh ginger, and one lemon lemon wedge. Stir the tea, vinegar, syrup, and ginger in a medium glass. Add a squeeze of lemon if desired, and try it that way. Probably way better tasting than just adding it to water. Large doses of or Large doses of apple cider vinegar may cause some side effects, including digestive issues, damaged tooth enamel, and throat burns. It may also interact with your medications. So talk to your doctor if you're planning to drink it regularly. When I tried to drink it just with water, oh my God, that was gagging. It was just nasty. But another nasty tasting thing, that's why I take it in pill form. And you can take apple cider vinegar in pill form too. Uh, is turmeric. The benefits of turmeric is it boosts serotonin levels, can help relieve anxiety and depression, maybe just as effective as antidepressants. That's good to know because I started to start taking it and I actually do feel more up and 
not as down as I was feeling, basically. Try this refreshing anti-inflammatory tonic or something a little different. The results may not be immediate, but if you drink 1,000 milligrams daily for six weeks, you may start feeling a difference then. Uh, the tonic is done with... Uh, where'd it go? Come on. They got to put so much extra information in these damn things. Uh, and these stupid ads keep popping up. Two cups of coconut water or filtered water. Two tablespoons grated fresh turmeric or a half to one table, one or ha one half to one teaspoon dried turmeric powder. One tablespoon grated fresh ginger, a juice from one lemon or orange. One medium carrot. One tablespoon raw honey or real maple syrup, pinch of black pepper, and optional, you can add a pinch of cayenne or cinnamon. Place all ingredients into a high-speed blender and blend until smooth. Drink as is or strain it before serving. Probably going to want to strain it. Use a cheesecloth or something. But, yeah. There's another tonic for you. For the most part, turmeric is safe to eat, but you may want to avoid too much of it. And make sure you're getting it from a trusted source. High doses of turmeric may cause kidney stones, and un untrustworthy sources tend to have fillers in them. Then we got ashwagandha. The benefits of this is it reduces body stress hormones, relieves anxiety, prevents stress-related fatigue. You can dip it in a tonic to sleep sound and melt away stress. It may take drinking two cups a day with 150 milligrams of ashwagandha for a month before you feel the effects. A little tonic tonic recipe for you is try if you'd like to. You can take okay. Somebody. I need all these pictures. Uh, they're not going to give me it. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Okay, here we go. Take one cup plus two tablespoons of water. Two heap tablespoons raw macadamia nuts. One medjool date or a teaspoon of raw manuka honey. A quarter to a half a teaspoon of cinnamon. Two pinches of nutmeg powder, two pinches of clove powder, a pinch of fine sea salt, one third to one half vanilla bean, and one teaspoon of ashwagandha root powder, an equivalent to one gram. Add all the ingredients, even the vanilla bean, no need to scrape the seeds out, in a blender and whiz till smooth and creamy. Transfer to a pot and heat it gently. To serve, add a sprinkle of cinnamon powder. And you can also use like freeze-dried plums, dried rose petals, and cornflowers. But yeah, that's a nice simple, simple tonic you can try. There aren't enough studies that say exactly what the side effects of this herb are, but those who are pregnant will want to avoid it as it can cause early delivery. <laughs> Another risk of taking ashwagandha is the source. Untrustworthy sources tend to have harmful additives 
keep in mind about who you get your products from. You always want to keep an eye on that. Uh, and then that looks like it for today. And we'll get back to you with more goodies in the near future. So kick the shit out of monster and be good. All right, let's do another MS Health segment. Let's look into some ab exercise routines that you can use to strengthen your core. Uh, get those abdominal muscles all pumped up, tightened up. Try and get that two-pack or four-pack or six-pack or eight-pack. Or you could be an eyeball and get a five-pack or a (laughs) seven-pack. Seen those, too. Uh, Each routine three to four times before moving on to the next week. Work your things out gradually. Test things out. Do them at your pace. Don't overdo them. Uh, some bridges, crushes, crunches, and plank twists. Do three sets of each move if you're able to. 10 reps of bridges. 15 to 20 reps of crunches. 15 to 20 reps of plank twist. Basically, the, the bridge is a... Great foundational exercise, perfect to kick it off. This is your starting workouts, and you can build around them or do them how you want or all together, how they say, or whatever you want to do. Lie on your back on a mat, knees bent, feet on the floor, and palms facing down at your sides. Inhale and brace your core. Push through your feet, raising your buttocks and back off the ground at the top your body should form a straight line between your knees and your shoulders slowly lower back down to the ground and repeat it for 10 rep reps for three sets or whatever you can do and then the crunch basically lie on your back on a mat knees bent feet on the floor and arms crossed over your chest ensure your neck stays untucked throughout the movement because you're going to pull pull on your spine if you do. Using your abs, begin to roll your head, neck, and shoulder blades up off the ground. Pause when you reach the top, then slowly, slowly lower back down. Complete 15 to 20 reps for three sets or whatever you can do. And plank twist. Basically get into a forearm plank position. Ensure your core is tight and your lower back isn't sagging. Your neck should be neutral. You're sagging your back. You're going to possibly irritate your back if you have sciatic or anything like that. Or it might start some back pain. So keep it straight. Keeping your upper body stationary, begin to rotate your mid-body, letting your right hip dip towards the ground. And once it touches, rotate the other way, all the way until your hip, left hip touches the ground. That's one rep. Complete three sets of five to ten reps. 
or whatever you can do. And then there's upward plank, bicycle crunches, and leg raises. Complete this routine three to four times, if able. Do three sets of each move, upward plank until tired. 20 reps total, 10 on each side of bicycle crunches, and 10 reps of leg raises. Basically for the upward plank, a pain in the ass. I hate trying to do this damn thing because for some reason, supporting me, myself with my arms backwards, just have so many problems between my wrist and everything else. But sit with your legs extended, arms straight, and palms down on the mat. Lean back so your upper body forms a 45-degree angle with the ground. Brace your core and begin to take your belly button up towards the sky, pushing up through your heels and your palms. Hold at the top until tired and complete three sets. And you have bicycle crunches, which assume tabletop position with your knees bent at a 90-degree angle and fingers interlaced behind your head. Crunch up and rotate. Bring your right elbow to your left knee and allowing your right leg to to extend. Return your right elbow and your right leg to the starting position, immediately crunching back up to bring your left elbow to your right knee and extending your left leg. Complete 20 reps total, 10 on each side for three sets if you're able, or whatever works best for you, and build yourself up gradually. Then we got leg raises to finish it off. Lie on your back on a mat, arms down by your sides, and palms on the ground or underneath your butt for extra support. Recruit your core to lift your legs straight up until your body forms a 90 degree angle. Slowly lower your legs back down to the ground and then complete 10 reps for three sets. And then we have arm slides, side planks, and flutter kicks. Do three sets of each move, 10 reps of arm slides, side plank until tired, and 12 reps of flutter clicks. Flutter kicks. Arm slide. Basically, you're going to want a condition that you can work with depending on the floor that you're using and stuff like that. You'll either need two small towels and a slippery floor or core sliders on a carpet to complete these arm slides. Or you could get furniture sliders too, and those work good. Different types of things or something plasticky that you can hold on to decent and slide on the floor. Uh, Start on all fours with your hands directly underneath your shoulders and your knees. Directly underneath your hip and your knees directly underneath your hips. Place the core sliders or towels underneath your palms. Brace your core and keeping your arms extended. Slide your palms forward, shifting your weight into your upper body. And when you can't go any farther, Pull yourself back to start and repeat 10 reps for three sets total. And they say towels, but I would say go with like washcloths or hand towels, something like that. You don't want big old towels. 
you want one underneath each hand for sliding purposes. Then we got side plank. Lie on your right side and support your upper body with your forearm. Bend your knees at a 45 degree angle and stack your left leg on top of your right. Extend your left arm towards the sky. Keep your feet touching using your obliques. Put your left hip toward the sky, straightening your legs as you go. Hold this position until you tire and can't keep proper form. And then we got flutter kicks. Lie on your back on a mat with your legs extended up so your body forms a 90 degree angle. Flex your feet. This can be very hard starting out. Slow and controlled, lower your right leg down towards the ground as far as it will go. Turn your right leg to start and lower your left leg down. Complete 12 total reps and three sets. Now, a lot of these things, like this one, I'll sit on the end of the bed and have my legs up and out and do the core training that way. And you're not landing on the ground or anything. But just for some reason, it makes it easier for me to do. And then having your hands under your butt to help give you that lift and stuff helps. Then we got high plank, windshield wipers, and boat pose. Complete this routine three to four times. Do three sets of each move. High plank for 30 seconds or until tired. Ten total reps, five on each side of windshield wipers. And a boat pose for 15 seconds or until tired. The high plank, basically you get on all fours, hands directly underneath your shoulders and knees slightly behind your hips. Push up from your hands and feet to assume the plank position. Your body should form a straight line from your head to your feet. Utilize your core to stay stable. Ensuring your lower back doesn't sag. Roll your shoulders back and down. Your neck should be neutral and your gaze should be down. Shoot to hold for 30 seconds or until tired and repeat three sets if you're able. Then we have windshield wipers where you lie on your back in the tabletop position with your arms out at your sides at a 45 degree angle. Controlling through your core, let your knees drop to the right until your right thigh touches the ground. Return to center and repeat, dropping your knees to the left. 10 total reps, five on each side for three sets. And then we have the boat pose where you set up, you sit on a mat, with your knees bent, feet flat on the ground, and your arms extended out in front of you. Utilize your core, lean back slightly, and lift your legs up to a tabletop position, balancing here. Hold this for 15 seconds or until you tire and can't keep proper form. Complete three sets. Good thing for this, two staring at us have some type of support to fall back against. So you don't fall all the way back. But yeah, those are some workout tips. If you want to build up your abs a little bit. And they're good overall body stretching exercises and stuff like that. So 
can't hurt that way either. So there's a little workout for you. Try it out if you can. If you can't, modify it. Make things work. Or at least get some type of stretching and mobility in your system every day. Keep those muscles loose and keep the blood flowing. All right. Be good to yourself. Be good to everybody else. We'll get back to you with more stuff soon. And keep that monster at bay. Later. Time for another MS Health segment. And today we're going to talk about there's a fasting mimicking diet out there for MS that someone must have came up with. Get rich quick off people's health type thing. But because MS is a chronic condition that can be unpredictable, focusing on beneficial health habits is key for reducing issues like fatigue and pain. What you can eat can be, or what you eat, can be a major part of those lifestyle choices. One eating plan that's gotten attention for its potential role in reducing flare-ups is the fasting mimicking diet. This is basically, it's a diet. The diet is a five-day plant-based, very low-calorie meal program developed by Prolon a company founded by Walter Longo, Ph.D., who is also the director of the Longevity Institute of the University of Southern California, Los Angeles, hippy-dippy, doopy-dippy. People, I don't like this already when they're talking that it's a five-day plant-based, very low-calorie meal program. It's like fasting alone is pulling your system down. Then you're making it a real low calorie program. Oh, I'm not liking this already, but I do promote fasting, but not this way. Who knows? It might help you if you want to try it. That's why we're talking about it. But five day program is designed to deliver 34 to 54 percent of normal caloric intake and is meant to be repeated over time. For example. Roll-On website recommends that people with obesity or overweight do one five-day cycle per month for three consecutive months. People who are at a healthy weight who exercise regularly complete complete one to two cycles per year. The diet is called fasting mimicking because unlike a true fast where you go without any food for a specific period, it calls for eating 1,090 calories on it on day one and about 725 calories on days two through five with a focus on low-carb, high-fat foods. So you're looking at a major calorie cut. I mean, Mark Wal- Wahlberg was eating 1,000 calories a day for a film, film role. And he said that wasn't too fun. (laughs) But that's basically a weight gain for a film where the actors do the weight gain and then a severe weight loss. And that's just not good either for the system. But 
Yeah, it's this is very low st- restricted calories. So I don't know with along that along with fasting, you might be better off just to fast. <laughs> this means your body will be in a fasted state, but not not malnourished. Says this dietitian who specialized in low carb eating, including the ketogen- ketogenic diet. Food options include choices like nut bars, kale crackers, and olives. <laughs> I hope there's other options. <laughs> uh, when someone with MS has MS, the myelin responsible for conducting nerve impulses throughout the nervous system becomes damaged by immune cells, also called T cells, says. Uh, says a registered dietitian uh that it basically in with the new medication i'm taking i'm killing most of my t cells and my b cells with the medication and uh it's going to be interesting because finding out more and more about it and i didn't realize how heavy a chemo drug it was and stuff and i gotta take more pills than most people do running on it so it's going to be interesting how it affects my body i have a feeling i might be out of position out of commission for a couple weeks but we'll see the fasting mimicking diet aims to reduce the number of pro-inflammatory t-cells leading to regeneration of myelin this is important because myelin acts as a sheath around the nerves including those in the brain and spinal cord Myelin is a primary target in MS, and when it's damaged, that's what leads to neurological issues, as well as pain and other symptoms. Uh, I'm starting to think this: these dietitians and shit don't know nothing about MS or have MS or anything like that, and they're just putting out this stuff because they heard about anti-inflammatory benefits and stuff, and they're not really taking into consideration how our MS really affects our body. Because they're like thinking, they're talking along the lines that they're thinking they can stop myelin degeneration and they can fix shit and all that stuff. That doesn't happen. We don't have stuff that cures MS yet. We don't have stuff that fixes myelin yet. It's just your little diet plans that you think are going to benefit us. Don't be telling people lies and getting them on things. Then they go off their DMDs and then they sit there and end up having a major relapse and all of a sudden it's like oh what happened it's like these diets help but they aren't long-run cures you gotta understand that i don't care what you say and go to all these people that came up with these diets that actually had multiple sclerosis why don't you check on them today see how they're doing some are looking pretty rough so it will help your body, but in the long run, it's not a cure-all for MS or anything like that. So you need your DMDs to keep, hopefully help keep the relapses at bay. But take those into consideration. Talk to your doctor with everything before you do it. And see what works best for you. But when you're taking in very few calories, as you would with the fasting mimicking diet, This creates stress in the body and the release of the stress hormone cortisol. 
This, in turn, may lead to destruction of those immune cells, says the dietitian specializing in chronic conditions. This process may sound detrimental, but it actually encourages the production of new healthy cells, she says. This may be particularly promising for people with MS, as it is an autoimmune disease that's progressive. So the creation of new cells could be a great benefit. Yes, but you got to watch which ones you're killing off too. As in, I said with my new medication, I'm going to be killing a lot of my TMB cells off. And it's done rapidly and you're doing it over time. And I don't know. I just don't, I'm not liking this one. Research conducted by a team found that a seven-day fasting mimicking cycle followed by six months of a Mediterranean diet led to improvements in quality of life, including physical and mental health. Well, no shit. If you get on any freaking diet, you're going to have improvements in quality of life to an extent, but it's not curing anything overall. You got to quit promoting certain things. The fasting mimicking diet also led to a a reduction in total T-cell count in 72% of the patients, a 20% reduction of T-cell count, which may have led to symptom reduction. Although this research is promising, it was done in a small number of participants, blah, blah, blah. Some effects may also have been promoted by the use of the Mediterranean diet, blah, blah, blah. Because you're eating lots of fruits and vegetables, good fats, lean proteins, and whole grains, your body's going to react better. No shit. That means the main drawback to the diet is the limited research on its efficacy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You guys don't know shit. You're just putting this out there. You're getting people's hopes up and making them think that this is a cure-all. And then they're going to be jumping off their DMDs again. Constantly got people saying, well, I'm on the website, I'm not site. So what can I do to go off the DMD and make my life better, fix this? What's the best diet? What's the best plan? And people start pumping all these things out, keto, Mediterranean, walls, all this shit. And then people try it, and there are people that ate rough for most of their life, ate whatever, and now they're totally restructuring everything. They get feeling better for a few months, and then they jump off their DMDs, and all of a sudden they just collapse and give up on the diet or start falling off it, and then they just revert right back, and then that's so much extra stress on your body that you end up having some extra relapse and stuff like that. Take all that shit into consideration. Talk to your doctor. Check it out before you do it. I still recommend do a sugar flush four weeks, six weeks, whatever you can handle. Wipe your system out of that and all type of white pastas, white rices, white flours, all that shit. And then start reintroducing items into your system a week at a time and see how your body reacts. And gradually build up and keep a journal and write down everything that makes your body feel good 
or doesn't doesn't harm your body or make it feel worse. And then write down anything that any type of weird effects you get from certain things that you're trying and maybe you'll find out. Maybe you're glucose intolerant or something like that. Or you're slightly diabetic or whatever. Just look at it that way and build a diet for you and screw all these people and all their diets they're getting rich off of and tell them to go piss off and make your own diet and who knows maybe someone listen to you about your ways of how it's working for you and learn from that but you don't have to go out there and put it out in a book unless you want to and make money off it and so i do this podcast and i'm over 200 episodes and I'm not making a damn thing for it and can't even get (laughs) advertisers that I'd like to get yet because I don't have enough followers but it's like I put quite a few hours into this every week and I do it for free and it's free health information and yeah granted I'm telling you a lot of stuff that other people are making you pay for but screw them I don't care you put the information out there. If I'm going to read it, I might as well read it out loud and tell other people about it. And they can make their own minds up about shit and do what they can try and help benefit themselves. But yeah, I don't say, I don't suggest jumping on any single diet. I say make, listen to your body and work around what helps your body the best. Anyways, I'll talk to you again soon. Keep the monster at bay. And we'll get back to you relatively quick. Okay, another MS health segment here. Let's look at metabolism. Metabolism refers to all the chemical processes in our body. The faster our metabolism, the more calories our body needs. Metabolism is the reason some people can eat a lot without gaining weight, while others seem to need less to accumulate fat so you lucky little bastards that we grew up with that would eat three to four times more shit as us and they'd sit there and be skinny their whole lives and you just wanted to strangle the living shit out <laughs> you're choke on this burger you bastard <laughs> the spread of your metabolism is commonly known as met- metabolic rate it's the number of calories you burn or the speed of your metabolism is <laughs> the number of calories you burn in a given amount of time, also known as calorie expenditure. Metabolic rate can be divided into a variety of categories, including basal metabolic rate, the BMR, which is your metabolic rate during sleep or deep rest. It is the minimum metabolic rate needed to keep your lungs breathing heart pumping and brain ticking and body warm. Resting metabolic rate, which is RMR, is the minimum metabolic rate required to keep you alive and functioning while at rest. On average, it accounts for up to about 50 to 75% of total calorie expenditure in your body. And there's thermic effect of food, TEF, the number of calories burned while your body is digesting and processing food. TEF usually represents about 10% of your total 
energy expenditure. Thermal effect of exercise, TEE. The in is the increase in calories burned during exercise. Non-exercise activity thermogenesis, which is NEAT, N-E-A-T. The number of calories required for activities other than exercise. This includes fidgeting, changing posture, standing, and walking around. Basically, your metabolic rate is also known as calorie expenditure. It is the number of calories your body uses in a given amount of time. Contributing factors to your metabolic rate include age. The older you get, the slower it gets. This is one of the reasons that people tend to gain weight as they age. Muscle mass. The greater your muscle mass, the more calories you burn. Body size, the bigger you are, the more calories you burn. Environmental temperature, when your body is exposed to cold, it needs to burn more calories to prevent your body temperature from falling. And I don't know how good it is or not, but I've, uh, I was always told if you drink ice, ice water, you're, you're burning calories to bring that water you're drinking up to your normal body's temperature, so. Instead of drinking room temperature water, drink cold water, and then you're actually performing some calorie burning to get it up to par. Physical activity, all body movements require calories. But, you know, thinking about that last thing I said, oh, let's finish this first. All body movements require calories. The more active you are, the more calories you'll burn. Your metabolism will speed up accordingly. But getting back to the little ice water thing, it's like thinking about that now. It's like if I ate ice cream all the time, you think I'd burn a bunch of extra calories. <laughs> Maybe the ice cream diet's not a bad idea. <laughs> all right. And then there's hormone <laughs> hormone disorders. Cushing syndrome and hypothyroidism slow down met metabolic metabolic rate. And increase your risk of weight gain. Basically, multiple factors affect metabolic rate or the number of calories burned. These include age, muscle mass, body size, and physical activity. Metabolic rates vary between people from birth. In other words, some people are born with a faster metabolism than others. You lucky bastards. Although genetics may contribute to these factors, scientists don't agree on the extent which they affect metabolic rate, weight gain, obesity. I disagree. These scientists obviously aren't fat, otherwise they'd understand it more. But, and I had a friend that could sit there and eat three Big Macs, and I'd have one sandwich, and he just wouldn't gain a damn thing, but I'd always be fat. It made no sense. He was always eating and drinking way more than me. Interestingly, most studies show that obese people have a higher total total and resting metabolic rate compared to normal weight individuals, which makes no sense. Researchers note that this is partly because the obese people have greater amounts of muscle to help support their extra weight. 
Yet studies indicate that obese people have higher metabolic rates, irrespective to of their muscles, muscle mass. A lot of people, heavier people don't have as much muscle mass either. In contrast, other studies show that formerly obese people have a 3 to 8% lower metabolic rate on average than those who have never been obese. One thing is clear, not everyone is created equal when it comes to metabolic rate. The rate metabolic rates vary by individual, even among infant, infants. However, it is unclear how much of this variation is due to genetics. Metabolic adaptation or starvation mode is when metabolic rate slows down during a calorie-reduced diet or a fast. It varies between people and tends to be more pronounced among obese individuals. Obese individual, obese. Uh, weight loss isn't only about eating fewer calories. Effective weight loss programs also include strategies to speed up your metabolism. Some simple methods are getting out and moving your body, strength training. Eating protein, drinking water, uh, caffeinated beverages, and stay away from the sugary things and stuff. But there's a numerous things you can do to boost your metabolism, including drinking cold water, sipping on coffee, and getting more sleep, exercising, eating protein. Although your Basal metabolic rate is largely largely beyond your control. There are various ways to increase the number of calories you burn. The strategies mentioned earlier can help you boost your metabolism. However, metabolism isn't everything when it comes to weight loss. It's also vital, vital to eat a healthy, well-balanced diet. So even though you think it might be a quick cure, it's not going to be. But some ways you can... Boost your metabolism. Eat plenty of protein at every meal. Uh, eating more protein can boost your metabolism so that you burn more calories. It can also help you eat less. Water can help you lose weight and keep it off. It increases your metabolism and keeps you helps fill you up before meals. It's always good to have a glass of water at every meal and drink. Drink it as you eat, uh, mixing up your exercise routine and adding in a few high-intensity workouts can boost your metabolism and help you burn fat. Uh, lifting weights is important for building and retaining muscle. Higher amounts of muscle will result in higher metabolism. Sitting for a long time burns few calories and is bad for your health. Try to stand up regularly or invest in a standing desk. One of my sponsors I wanted to get was a standing desk sponsor. Drinking tea, green tea or oolong tea may increase your metabolism. These teas may also help you lose weight and keep it off. Green tea is definitely good to make part of a diet routine. Eating spicy food could be beneficial for boosting your metabolism and help you maintain a healthy weight. Lack of sleep can decrease the number of calories you burn. Change the way 
your processed sugar and disrupt your appetite regulating hormones. Drinking coffee can significantly increase your metabolism and help lose weight as long as you don't overdo it. Keep it to a couple, no more than three cups a day. Replacing your cooking fats with coconut oil may help boost your metabolism slightly. And there you can cross over and do the MCT oil, the coconut oil in your coffee, one to two tablespoons. Every day is a boost. It'll give you an energy boost also. Making small lifestyle changes and incorporating these tips into your routine can increase, increase your metabolism. Having a higher metabolism can help you lose weight and keep it off while also giving you more energy. All a plus. All right, we're going to leave it at that, and we'll get back to you with more goodies in the future. So just keep that monster down, and we'll get back to you soon. Time for an MS health segment, and we're going to talk about some healthy fish, some of the best healthy fish to eat. Alaskan salmon, which here, if you like smoked salmon, if you got a Costco around, usually around November, let's say mid-November or so, if you're lucky, your Costco will be selling $20 smoked salmons from Alaska, and they last a nice long time. I usually get at least four a year. And throughout the year, every few months, we'll make salmon dip and have some smoked salmon on the side and all that stuff. It's just awesome. But there's a debate about whether wild salmon or farm salmon is a better option. Farm salmon is significantly cheaper, but it may contain less omega-3s and fewer vitamins and minerals, depending on whether it's fortified or not. But you're still getting the omega-3s and the vitamins and minerals, so just a little extra salmon. What the hell? It's good for you. It's a great option for your diet overall, but if your budget allows, opt for the wild variety. Try the try grilled salmon recipes. Um, I like it basically just with some lemon and dill. I'll fry it in a frying pan just to get it lightly cooked and then put it skin side down on a pizza pan and throw it in the oven and sprinkle a little lemon on it and it's just perfect like that a little sea salt lemon dill that's all it really needs especially if you, if you have a nice piece of salmon you don't even need to do that that to it just a little salt sea salt but yeah i like it that way and then i'll peel the skin off it serve the salmon up and while we're eating the salmon I'll throw the skin back on the pizza pan in the oven for a little while and let it crisp up. And then I just, I eat it all. <laughs> eat everybody's because most of them won't eat it. That's the best source of your omega-3s and all that stuff and all your vitamins. So that's why it's yummy. It's like gold. salmon chips. Can if you have a salad, you can crackle it up and sprinkle it over the top of your salad or whatever. Then we got cod. It's a flaky white fish. 
It's a great source of phosphorus, niacin, and vitamin B12. Three ounce cooked portion contains 15 to 20 grams of protein. Try a piccata sauce on top of cod for a nice compliment. You can look up recipes for stuff like that. I personally, poor man's lobster, take a piece of cod, go about a quarter of the way up with water in the pan. And it's nice to use like a bread bread pan or something like that. Uh, don't totally cover the fish or anything. Just go about a quarter of the way up the fish with some water. I squeeze some lemon in there. I'll put whatever seasonings you want in there, some garlic, some uh, whatever season you like in it. I pretty much stick with garlic powder, salt, sea salt. I'll sprinkle a little, uh, uh, oh, come on, the red stuff. <laughs> Uh, I got Parmesan stuck in my head. It's not Parmesan. Uh, I think it's there so the pea. But it's red. It's a powder. You put it on top of devil eggs and stuff like that. Oh, my God. Brain. Uh, I use this shit all the time. Paprika. <laughs> uh, sprinkle a little paprika on it. Garlic salt. Or garlic powder. Uh, some sea salt some squeeze some lemon in there and stuff uh and just throw it in the oven 350 to 425 whatever temperature you want to run it at takes about 12 12 to 15 minutes on average depending on what oven you're using and stuff like that cook it till it's nice and flaky and you got yourself some poor man's lobster it's awesome or you can Panko it up and throw it in the air fryer or whatever you want to do. Cook it in the oven. But it's an easy fish, very easy fish to work with. You can cook it many different ways. Yeah, herring, a fatty fish, similar similar to sardines. Herring is especially good smoked. Smoked fish is packed with sodium, though, so consume it in moderation. Jamie Oliver's Mediterranean-style herring. Linguini uses the fresh version. If you want to try his recipe, I personally think the shit's disgusting. Probably because my dad had this stupid thing where if you ate herring every New Year's, you sat there and had better luck or some bullshit. So he'd force it down our throats when we were kids, and the disgusting taste killed it for me, and I cannot around this shit anymore but I would consider using it if I needed some type of salty item in a dish I'd consider dicing it up and using it that way but yeah I cannot eat that stuff straight up mahi mahi it's a tropical firm fish mahi mahi can hold up to almost any preparation because it's also called dolphin fish it's sometimes con confused with the mammal dolphin but don't worry, they're completely different. Don't worry, you're just killing a different animal off. <laughs> you're not killing a dolphin, a poor little raping dolphin. Don't worry. You're just killing a mahi-mahi. It just looks and acts like a dolphin, but not really a dolphin. <laughs> it looks and acts like a jackass. Is it really a jackass? 
mean, come on. You're still killing something, you asshole. You're still taking a freaking animal's soul. But it's like, it's not a better thing just because it's not a fucking dolphin, the assholes. <laughs> Sorry, but that shit like that. <laughs> Try some blackened mahi-mahi tacos with a chipotle mayo for dinner. Something like that. Uh, from what I found, mahi-mahi is very easily easy to cook like a cod. But it's almost softer than a cod. So it can fall apart more and stuff like that. I'd rather use cod myself. But yeah, it's my my he's good too. I've I've cooked with it many a times. Then mackerel and opposed to as opposed to leaner white fish, mackerel is an oily fish, rich in healthy fats. King mackerel is a high mercury fish, so opt for the lower mercury, Atlantic or smaller mackerel choices. Again, this is just like Herring, it's disgusting. It's nasty. It's disgusting to me. If I chopped it up and used it in a super, a fish soup or something like that, maybe I'd be able to handle it. But yeah, that's not my cup of tea. So if you handle it, it's probably one of the better fishes for you. Herring and mackerel. I know some of them are very high in omega-3s. Perch, another white fish. Perch has a medium texture and can come from the ocean or fresh water. Because of its mild taste, a flavorful panko breading goes well with it. Like when I mentioned the air fryers, they use their uh, one nugget recipe with the panko and do your perch up that way, throw it in the air fryer. Stuff's awesome. I love perch. I love when I do Friday fish fry. I'll usually get the combo platter that's half cod, half perch. And, of course, I get the bad one. I get the breaded one usually. But what you're going to do, tastes fucking good. I only have it once every couple of weeks. But farmed rainbow trout is actually a safer option than wild as it's raised, protected from contaminants, especially in our oceans nowadays with all the dumbasses having oil, all these stupid oil rigs in the middle of the ocean and the rigs breaking down and bursting open and just filling our seafood with all kinds of oily residues and shit, contaminants. Just keep fucking up all our food sources, why don't we? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bad episode. I'm just getting pissed at everybody. But according to the Monterey Bay Aquarium Seafood Watch, it's one of the best types of fish you can eat in terms of environmental impact. So try out some trout recipes, see what you come with. It's awesome. I've always enjoyed it. Usually when it comes to rainbow trout, I'm more of a pan fry. If you got yourself a, a cast iron pan, that's the way to go. A nice, well-seasoned cast iron pan. Just pan fry it and then toss that baby in the oven and finish it off. And you can leave it whole. And just gut it, throw it whole on the pan, and then just pick it apart with a fork. Eat it up. It's awesome. Sardines, uh, here we go. Another one that joins up with the mackerel and the herring. 
sardines can't do them but i would dice them up and throw them in for a salty option if i needed to on a recipe it's also an oily fish sardines are rich in many vitamins and version is easy to find and it's actually more nutritious because you're consuming the entire fish including bones and skin don't worry they're pretty much dissolved Try topping a salad with a can of them for a nice meal. That's where I say dice it up and throw it on your salad. So you have very tiny pieces that you're going to deal with. But if you like it, go for it. It's probably one of the healthiest ones that we're talking about. Striped bass, either farmed or wild. Striped bass is another sustainable fish. It has a firm yet flaky texture and is full of flavor. Uh, you can do bronze sea, pat, sea bass recipes with lemon shallot butter. And there's, that, again, is another fish that I like to just fry it up. Use a cast iron if you got it. I, ain't, I think cast iron skillets is the best way to do any fish, uh, which I know they're not going to talk about it on here, which I don't know why. <clears throat> Probably because it's a bottom dweller. But if you can get uh bullheads oh my god my brain went blank again i can't think of the option bigger version of bullheads uh but they are just they're awesome if you can get them we used to go bullhead fishing and we'd sit there and just cook up a whole five gallon bucket full of bullheads as we're cleaning them and they're just phenomenal but they're a pain in the ass with the stingers and all that shit. Yeah, definitely be trained on how to clean them right, and so you don't end up nailing yourself with the stingers and hurting yourself. But yeah, it's I love that. I love bullheads and their bigger form, which I just cannot think of. It's like stars of the sea, I believe. Uh, uh, catfish. Duh. <laughs> meow. Meow. <laughs> the catfish. Uh, it's just awesome, but they don't have it in here. But that's perfect fish to cook on a cast iron skillet. Uh, we had at this one restaurant. I think it was Coyote Restaurant or whatever in Montana one time. It was the first time I had uh, cast iron skillet fried and fried catfish and oh it was the best catfish i ever had but yeah straight bass is awesome pan fried or however you want to cook it tuna whether fresh or canned tuna is a favorite to many people and an easy thing to put into recipes tuna casserole all that stuff when pickling fresh tuna choose a piece of that's glossy and smells ocean fresh it's easy to pre prepare Two, all it needs is a quick sear over some high heat. You don't have to cook it all the way through and burn it up. And get a nice fresh piece of tuna and try it out. Or take your canned tuna. Uh, it's recommended that people limit yellowfin, albacore, and ahi tuna due to their high mercury content. Instead, use white, which is... Which is albacore, choose chunk light when buying canned tuna. Light tuna is almost always the 
lower mercury species called skipjack. So that's a good thing to keep in mind if you want to do like a tuna casserole. It's pretty simple. It's like I like doing it in a big casserole pan. I'll power cook some uh, noodles to throw in there and uh, just three cans. The best one is three cans of the cheesy broccoli soup. Otherwise, you can use cream of mushroom, cream of chicken, whatever. Uh, Three cans of tuna drained, three cups of milk, or no, I think it's six cups of milk, and however many peas, I use frozen peas that you want in there, and then just stir it all up, mix it together, throw it in the oven. Uh, I think you can cook it at like 325 or 350. I think it's 325 just to keep it a little bit lower so you ain't overcooking the noodles and crisping them. I stir it halfway through. It cooks for like 45 five minutes, and then the last, then you throw some cheese on it shredded cheese and then throw it in for another 15 minutes until the cheese is nice and bubbly and you're good to go nice simple meal to throw together not healthy overall but it's a yummy way to have salad that's uh tuna wild alaskan pollock alaskan pollock is always wild caught in the northern pacific ocean because of its mild flavor and light texture, it's the fish most often used for fish sticks and other battered fish products. You can make like a garlic butter poached pollock or whatever with it. It's also easy to cook. And we got Arctic char, which is in the salmon family. It looks like salmon and it's, its flavor is somewhere between salmon and trout, slightly more like trout. The meat is firm with fine flake and high fat content its fresh flesh ranges from dark red to pale pink farmed arctic char is raised mostly in onshore tanks that create less pollution than those in coastal waters and you can try something like a maple glaze char recipe which i don't know if maple glaze on a fish is something i'd want but you can try it Basically, consuming a variety of fish several times a week will provide many nutrients needed for a well-balanced diet. If you're pregnant, breastfeeding, or have health conditions, check with your doctor because of mercury and stuff like that. But yeah, fish is always good. Get back to you more goodies in the future. Good to yourself, and I'll talk to you again soon. Time for another MS health segment. Let's look at things you can do to deal with feeling overwhelmed. If you need help right now and you have suicidal thoughts, your thoughts of harming yourself, you can call the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration at 1-800-662-HELP. 4357. It's a 24-7 hotline. It'll connect you with a mental health resource in your area. And then you can also learn some grounding exercises. Maybe you find yourself 
overwhelmed and anxious, one of the fastest ways to ground yourself is to focus on your senses. Any activity that brings you into your body will help minimize the anxious chatter in your brain. This can be as easy as sitting in your office chair, sliding off your shoes and putting both feet on the floor. Feel the ground under your toes. What does it feel like? Like Don McLean said, (laughs) or was taught by a gentleman when he was in Hakatomi Tower after his big plane trip. He sat there and was told by a gentleman on the flight to take his shoes off and roll his feet in the carpet and work your feet and get grounded. But listening to music or activity, that was from Die Hard, by the way, if you didn't get that. (laughs) Listening to music or activity or actively taking in all the surrounding smells on a walk can be a grounding exercise. There's lots of other things you can look up for grounding techniques. Do a body scan meditation. How do you do a body scan? You can practice this exercise on a bus, at your desk, on your couch, pretty much anywhere. You can walk in, sitting, laying, whatever you're most comfortable with. Just find a comfortable place to sit or whatever where you can have both feet firmly on the floor. Close your eyes. Uh, I don't believe you need to have your feet on the floor. I believe you can lay down or whatever. Bring awareness to your feet and how they feel touching the floor. Slowly bring that awareness all the way up through your legs, torso, chest, and head. As you become aware of different areas of your body, notice any places that feel tense or tight. Release the tension if you can, but don't stress if you can't. Simply acknowledge it and move on. Then gently open your eyes. When I do a full body scan, I'll start with my feet. And like I said, you don't have to be sitting, standing, or whatever. Just recognize your feet. Notice them. Feel them in your head. Think about them. Start at my my feet, my toes. My feet, I classify all in a group together with the toes and the heel and all that. Unless I got heel pain or arch pain or something like that, I'll focus on that area separately during the scan. And maybe go over it a couple of times, usually when I'm breathing in. I imagine breathing in good aura from around my body, healing aura. You're breathing in health and you're breathing out dark aura, darkness, the pains. You're breathing that pain out out of your body, working it out. I start with the feet and go to the ankles and go to the thighs and the knees and the hips and just work my way all the way up my body going to the groin the stomach the buttocks the tailbone the spinal cord uh stomach chest arms legs elbows hand i just working all the way up into the Top of the spine, the neck, the head, the jaw, the face, the eyes, even the brain, the scalp, all that just work right through it. And it can be a long process if you go that deep like I do, 
or you can make it more simply simplified and work as focus on just your foot, your leg, and stuff like that. But I like to focus into all the different pain centers of my body. But, and let's see who we got today. Hello. Oh, that's just great. Yeah. You can get out the phone when I answer it. You don't need to be on it. <laughs> just another telemarker. Oh, he's annoying us. But we can't get away from those pricks. But they're calling less today than most days, at least. Uh, pause and take a deep breath. Uh, the next time you feel yourself getting overwhelmed, just try closing your eyes with one hand on your heart and one hand on your belly. Focus on deep breaths from your diaphragm. Count to five between each inhale and exhale. Repeat at least 10 times or more if needed. This will immediately slow your heart rate and provide a much needed oxygen boost to your bloodstream. I also recommend starting out, do three, three second, three counts, or three second count with breathing in, then breathing out three seconds each time, then do five seconds, work your way up to 10 seconds, go longer if you're able to, and it's good for your lungs and all that too, so you don't have to just do the minor small one that they mentioned. You can also work around it, whatever works best for you. Uh, basically, it's easier, easy for your mind to be hijacked by constant notifications from your phone. They might not feel like much of an interruption, but over time they can deplete your attention and emotional resources. Uh, you can turn off your notifications for things that aren't necessary such as news alerts, social media notifications, and your work email, especially after business hours. You can take it a step further by making a conscious effort to turn off your phone for a set amount of time each day. It's like you don't want that blue light at nighttime anyways. It can disrupt your sleeping issues. So just turn the damn thing off, read a comic book or something like that, and take a break from it. Step away. Sometimes the best thing to do when you're overwhelmed is to step away for a few minutes, uh, especially if you're stressed out over something. There's links between sunshine, nature, and mood. A five-minute walk around the block can help you return to your tasks more refreshed and focused. Avoid leaning on substances. Uh, you should avoid leaning on substances like alcohol or drugs to help manage your feelings. Uh, these substances substances can both tamper with your sleeping and eating habits. It won't do your mind any favors. Uh, create your own your own method for soothing. Consider questions to help find soothers for all your senses. Like vision, what's something beautiful that you see around you? Do you have a favorite piece of art? Hearing, what sounds are pleasant or soothing to you? This could be music, the sound of your cat purring, or anything else you find calming. 
smell? Do you have a favorite fragrance? Is there a candle you find particularly soothing? Taste? What's your favorite taste? What foods remind you of a happy memory? Touch? Do you have a favorite blanket or chair? Can you take a warm bath or put on a favorite sweater? Uh, journaling is an incredibly effective tool for managing stressors. Uh, when you're feeling overwhelmed, it can be hard to put pen to paper to make things easier. Just pick one or two things that are on your mind or focus on a single emotion. Plan ahead. Uh, feelings of anxiety and overwhelm often stems from the feeling from feeling out of control. Stay two steps ahead of yourself by identifying potential stressful situations ahead of time. And also ask friends or family to help out with childcare when you know you have a busy day. Pre-plan some meals to remove that burden. Alert your partner that you might need additional support. Tell your colleagues that you'll be busy on a specific project or aren't going to be open to taking on more work for a few days. You can reach out for help. Don't underestimate the power of leaning on loved ones when you're having a hard time. Let them know. But looks like my battery's dying, so I'm going to make this the end of this segment, and we'll get back to you with more health segments in the future. So be good to yourself, and beat that monster. Talk to you later.